Welcome to the Ambition Incubator podcast. Whether you're a seasoned professional, entrepreneur, or keeping your edge sharp until the time is right to launch your master plan, you're in the right place. I'm here to share with you what I learned on my quest to find the best techniques to elevate your potential and master the art of success. I'm your host, Deirdre Morrison. As an entrepreneur, I've built and supported successful businesses for nearly two decades. In this podcast, you'll hear about the tools developed at the cutting edge of what we know about human biology and intelligence, and the people who use them. Stay tuned to hear about neuroscience concepts and hacks, and interviews with experts that will help improve your game. This, my friend, is where we take it to the next level. Hey there, and welcome to another episode of the Ambition Incubator podcast with me, Deirdre Morrison. Now, have you ever noticed how when you change something in a room or when you change the frame on a painting or a picture, for example, that you start to notice things about it that you didn't notice before? In fact, the term reframing is regularly used in coaching and problem solving to mean looking at something in a new way. Well, so far on this podcast, we've been looking at a topic or investigating some sources to get to grips with what's going on inside the old grey matter. And today, to shake things up a bit, I'm going to introduce you to a more experiential way of assimilating some of those concepts. It's a little bit different. It's a tool I call the penny scope. Now, it's something I've developed for my clients to pull together an array of experience and concepts and information to let them see and examine a lot of the thinking they take for granted. The process might amuse you or it might annoy you. It might intrigue you or it might even leave you scratching your head. From the outset, I'd like to say that whatever your reaction to this is, it's worth taking note of it because that in itself is a really great clue to where you are on this journey. I'm also going to put a link into the show notes um, to a PDF that's a sort of user's manual for the tool. So you could go ahead and download that too if you want to give this a go. And right off the bat, I'm going to give you a big fat disclaimer, which will make more sense soon. While you're using this tool, your earnings may vary. It's not a good alternative source of income, but what it is, is a good alternative source of self-analysis and self-observation. If you've heard of the poker champion Eric Seidel, this is a lot like his lesson number one for poker novices, in that it's a way to get us to pay attention. And this is a lesson that I've absorbed in so many ways from so many disciplines. It's crushingly simple. And yet for so many of us, it's so fantastically difficult for so much of the time. Hence, my decision to share the penny scope with you. Now, to start with, let me ask you something. When's the last time you tried something completely new? That might be a new skill or a new routine or anything that breaks you out of your normal. As kids, we do new stuff all the time. We don't really have much of a choice, to be honest, because most of the time we're trying to work out how to do new things and navigate the world. And this takes a lot of energy. But then again, kids have a lot of energy, right? When we get older... Many of us seem to become a little more set in our ways, or for some of us, a lot more set in our ways. We get caught up in our daily lives and we don't always have time to try new stuff just for the sake of it. But when we do, and it's something that we enjoy, it brings us what's known as novelty in terms of learning and change. And novelty is one of the things that supports the brain's neuroplasticity. We're actually wired to notice new or different things as part of our survival skills. On a very basic level, Are they likely to be beneficial to us or threatening to us, for example? But quite often, our curiosity and appetite for trying new things is dampened by other demands on our time. 
I have a bit of a habit, though, when it comes to trying totally new things. I actually like what many people perceive as that uncomfortable sensation of not really knowing anything. It's a deliberate act of what D.T. Suzuki would call beginner's mind. This is the place where we really test our self-perception and our worldview slash box and fire up that neuroplasticity by laying down totally unprecedented neural pathways. I remember my first days and weeks in the kendo dojo very well for just this reason. I didn't come to it with any martial arts experience, so there was an enormous amount to absorb very quickly. Kendo has a lot of very formal etiquette. It has a complete vocabulary, which happens to be in Japanese, and that's a language I don't speak. It's got very specific warm-up routines, and that's not to mention the totally counterintuitive movements that would eventually become muscle memory over time. But in those early days, the struggle was real and amusing for the rest of the team who took me under their wing to bring me up to speed. Fortunately, I'm pretty happy to amuse myself with my ineptitude in these situations and also to amuse others. There's another example of the time I tried skiing as an adult for the first time. And this is probably something you might have experienced as well. You know that feeling when it's like all the new, new, everything is new and it all feels wrong. And a metaphor for this kind of wall of novelty is what I've often referred to as making your mind jump the tracks. The tracks are our normal ways of doing things, our existing neural pathways. But something this novel forces us into new ways of seeing things, new sensations, new perspectives. And because all of this is so new, we have to pay attention. So this is where I'm going to ask you to trust me and go with this for a little longer because you might find that the penny scope falls into that category of something that makes your mind jump the tracks. Maybe not as literally as a physical activity like skiing or driving or learning to jive, for example, but it does need focus. So again, remember, lesson one, the most important lesson of the whole exercise, pay attention to everything that comes up. Notice it all. Now, I still haven't told you what the tool is or how it works, but I'm getting there. When I describe it, you may find that you like to think of it as a game or a meditation, or a brain training. All of these viewpoints are valid. It is what you make it. You deploy it in a way that works for you, and you will use it in a way that it has never been used before, because your entire experience and consciousness is unique to you. Walt Whitman once wrote that all truths wait in all things. That's one of my favourite lines of poetry ever. And it's partly the inspiration behind this episode and this game or tool or training, however you choose to see it. And to give you a bit of contextualization, let me take you back an unspecified number of years. I was riding my bike to school and I didn't normally think about all that much on the bike apart from going as fast as I could or how, how cold my fingers and toes were. I was generally not all that well kitted out for the conditions, but who was back then, right? Anyway, this particular morning as I approached the top of the first hill, something caught my eye. Sitting in a puddle of clear Irish rainwater was a five pound note. Five whole pounds. Now, that was quite a lot of money back then, and you can start estimating when it was if you know when Ireland adopted the euro. So naturally, I stopped and I got off my bike and I fished it out of the puddle. I was pretty chuffed with myself. That fiver was going to fund a ticket to go and see one of my favourite bands back then. The Stunning, for anyone who's of the same time and place, and again, more clues to nailing down that time frame. The moment stayed with me. Um, I've never since found a fiver in a puddle, and it's a really long-standing personal best. Though I did once find a £2,000 hearing aid belonging to one of my neighbours, so that was nice. But I guess the possibility of the fiver always intrigued me. As well as wondering how the hell it got there. This wasn't a city street. This was a middle-of-nowhere country road in County Limerick. 
the mind boggles at the infinitesimally small chance I had of finding a fiver in a puddle. And yet I did. Now, this is the part where it seems to be very fashionable to head down the manifestation law of attraction kind of theme. But not here. Not in this podcast. Now, there are things that we'll talk about at another time that will delve into that effect and draw parallels with what we now know about the brain. So I'm not saying that I have a problem with it. If manifestation is working for you, great. I just like a bit more why and how it works in my approach and hence the whole neuroscience crush, I guess. So with that said, what is this penny scope thing and how do you use it? Okay, are you ready? Here's the instructions. Number one. Every time you walk anywhere, so from the car to the office or from the grocery store to the bus stop, when you're doing your 10,000 steps, every time, be looking for pennies or fivers. All denominations count. Every time you start walking, think to yourself, a penny scope. And number two, pay attention. That's it. It's that simple. Seriously. I mean, there's more. There's always more, isn't there? First of all, you may encounter a few phases when you're using this tool. They're not necessarily going to follow any particular order for you, but here are some of the key ones that you might notice. First, enthusiasm for this novel tool. So you might feel keen to start and you might even want to go out for a walk straight away once you've listened to this. Novelty, as I've mentioned, is one of the keys to neuroplasticity, so that's great. Second, you might find yourself noticing how hard it is to keep scanning the ground for pennies. How often does your mind wander? How often do you find yourself asking why you're even doing this? How often do you find that you've been distracted? Focused attention is another of the keys to neuroplasticity that this tool uses. In fact, it's partly because it uses a number of these keys that it's so effective. It helps to embed learning in ways that work with our brains. Now, looking again at that second phase, if you do get distracted, what do you do? Do you start again or do you scold yourself? Do you abandon the effort? This is all part of it, noticing what happens, noticing what the inner monitor is telling you, and if you're not familiar with the inner monitor, check out episode four, where we took a look at that. Now, maybe you're a very focused individual and this kind of exercise comes easily to you. Or maybe you're very diligent and you manage to improve your focus over the course of a few weeks or days. What happens then? Do you find yourself looking at the way you use the technique? You might find yourself changing your routine to accommodate more walks or different walks. This, of course, has the bonus of being beneficial to your body and brain. This really is the Swiss army knife of these techniques. You might find yourself strategizing about what would optimize your chances of finding those pennies. Do you walk down one side of the street on the way to pick up your coffee and along the other on the way back? Do you find yourself wondering where people are more likely to drop coins? What good does any of this do you? Well, think about this in the context of starting a business. In the metaphor or the meta-metaphor of the penny scope, those people who drop pennies represent your future customers. So probably without even realizing, you're thinking like someone who is finding ways to fish where the fish are. Now, unfortunately for all of us, this tool doesn't work the way one of the quite well-known patterns of our neurology works. If you've heard of the reticular activating system, it's the way our brain notices things that we're already thinking about. So in the classic example, if you decide to buy a red Toyota Prius, it seems like suddenly everyone and their granny are driving the exact same car. The thing is that they were driving those cars already, but you weren't paying attention. Now that it's on your brain's radar, you start noticing them because you're paying attention. It would be amazing, though, if this tool did work that way, because the streets would be just full of coins. They'd be paved with them. Sadly, though, it doesn't. But you will start to notice some other things. 
Your eye may be drawn to shapes that look like they could be coins. You'll notice how many round blobs of dead chewing gum are on the pavement. And you'll also maybe find your eye drawn to bottle caps. But you will find that gradually your eye is becoming more habitually drawn to the right kinds of shape and size that might be coins. Your neuroplasticity is working. You're laying down new habits and your brain is responding. Now, what happens when you do find a penny? Do you joyfully pick it up and pocket it with a satisfied smile? Does a voice rise up from somewhere in the back of your mind telling you that's not clean? Or do you worry about what will people think when they see you stopping to pick up a penny? Hmm, these are juicy. Does one of these fit you? Or have you got something else entirely? Maybe you imagine you'll have one reaction now as we're here doing it theoretically, and it might turn out to be something else entirely when the situation is live. Again, all of these things are really worth noticing. Now, there's something really important you need to know before you head out to start using this tool. And this will seem really counterintuitive, but in a way, this is the most important thing. The objective is not to find pennies. So even if you don't find a single one, that doesn't mean this technique doesn't work. What? What are you telling me now? It's not about finding pennies? Oh dear. Yes, you did hear me right. The objective is not finding pennies. That's just the mechanism we're using to prompt self-analysis and observation. But this distinction in itself is critical for anyone who wants to start a business. Say, for example, you have a social media strategy to get a thousand likes on your Facebook page. That's the mechanism. But why do you want to get those thousand likes? To raise awareness of your business and get customers, right? So the two things aren't the same and you could use a different mechanism to reach the same end. Now, in this instance, the practice is the mechanism, but the goal is taking a good old look inside the noggin, otherwise known as self-awareness. To put it another way, the goal is to examine our thinking and ideas through self-analysis and self-observation. The strategy is to use this practice of looking for pennies. It's that simple. And yes, there are many other ways you could do it. So what are the benefits of doing it this way? Well, you don't need anything new to start. You already have everything you need. As well as that, you can simply and easily work it into your daily life. It's got massive flexibility for where, when and how often and for how long you do it. It's a little bit like an exercise we have in the dojo in that way. Pretty much the first drill that everyone learns in our dojo and no doubt in many others is called Kirikayashi. I won't go into the details here, but um, they're not important. I'll, I'll stick a link in the show notes so you can see what I get up to when I'm not doing podcasts. Anyway, the thing about Kirikayashi, the reason it's so central to kendo training is that it's super flexible. Our sensei can adapt it almost endlessly. It teaches us fundamentals. And they say that experienced teachers can tell an awful lot about our kendo from just looking at our Kirikayashi. And the penny scope is not all that different in that regard. It tells us so much about where our heads are at. And this is what we really need as business creators, as business owners, as business builders and business scalers. Know thyself, as the wise often say. How often do we hear that phrase or sentiment repeated to us in various forms? And how much time do we really invest in achieving that level of self-knowledge? This is the deep and sometimes deeply uncomfortable work that we need to do to identify not just the things that might be holding us back, but also the things that we're already great at that we're not exploiting to our best advantage. This is where the worlds of neuroscience, coaching and entrepreneurship meet. This is where those people who seem to be soaring and happy in their skin and being highly effective in their personal and work lives, this, this is where they've got to. 
It's like they've broken through some kind of fence that most other people don't even see, don't know is there, and haven't a hope of getting through, to be honest, without doing this work. But that's where you have a choice. You know that these tools exist. You know that we've got these amazing brains that can learn and change thanks to neuroplasticity. And that whatever you find yourself thinking when you hear about this crazy game tool training technique that the slightly strange Irish one goes on about on the podcast, all of that is subject to neuroplasticity too. When you know what you want, then you find the mechanisms to help your neuroplasticity achieve it. Whether it's the focus to concentrate and pay attention, which is fundamental to being able to organize, plan and run a business, or whether it's getting yourself to recognize your responses to things, the cynical, indignant or overenthusiastic responses, for example. If they come up here, how often do they come up in other places? Are those responses always helping you to be at your best and most effective? Or do you close the door to certain possibilities without even looking through them? And yes, there's a deliberately provocative, playful side to this tool to the way it's created. That's purely because it makes our minds jump the tracks a little in the best possible way. As soon as we've hit that sensation of not knowing, as in not knowing where I'm going with this, not knowing why I'd ask you to do it, not knowing if you think I'm crazy or some kind of genius, then we're open to to learning and that's what we want. So after that, after this little depth charge is dropped right into your consciousness, you can go about your life and either let it start working its magic or let the weed patch grow over it. And how that plays out, no pun intended, is also a measure of your level of determination to succeed. So you might be wondering if I go around on my walk scanning the ground for pennies. Yes, yes I do. But I've been doing it for a while, so it's a pretty good neural pattern for me. It's like the four levels of competence. First of all, you start as an unconscious incompetent. So before you listen to this episode, you didn't know what this tool was or how you could use it. Now you're a conscious incompetent. You know what it is, but you haven't practiced it enough yet. After a while, you'll become a conscious competent. You'll know what you're doing and why, and you'll get pretty good at it. And then finally, you become an unconscious competent, where it becomes a learned skill like a second nature. I also temper it, though, with knowing when using this form of focused attention is the best use of my time. For example, the incident of the fiver in the puddle aside, the chances of finding anything lying on a country road where people don't often walk are slim. And we know to fish where the fishes are, right? So that might be a better time to try another form of walking or breathing meditation to attune my focus. Or it might be time to listen to an inspiring podcast or audiobook. Or just have some non-time when we're not asking anything in particular of our brains, because rest and downtime are also really important for our brains. And that's actually another of the keys to neuroplasticity too. Alternatively, our walk might be with a friend or loved one, in which case we'll want to give them our attention and be fully present to the time we're spending with them. And that is the PennyScope crash course. As I mentioned, you'll find a link to the PDF workbook in the show notes, and I've included some additional information along with reminders of the key questions and a few bonus ways of using the game tool. I mean, tool. <laughs> I'm kidding. It's what you make it. That, that is how it's intended. So head on over to the show notes and click the link and I'll send that over to you. Thank you again for tuning in. And if you try this out, I would love to hear how you got on. Drop me a line or hit the comments and let me know how fun or infuriating it was. I would love to hear your insights. That is everything for today. And I hope you'll join me for more the next time on entrepreneurship and other interesting stuff. And until then, don't forget, a penny scope to discover the possibilities. You've been listening to the Ambition Incubator podcast. 
your weekly source for brain science tools, tips, and techniques. Thanks for taking the time to tune in. It's why I want to make sure that every single episode contains game changers with the potential to elevate your performance and enjoyment to the next level in all areas of life. If you want to catch up between shows, check the show notes for my links. Meanwhile, if you hit subscribe right now, you'll always be first to hear when the next episode is available. Until then, my friend, imagine the possibilities.